listening to Affect Autism, where Affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. If you're a caregiver looking to implement your own floor time approach, please check the ICDL parent website at the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning for a free virtual floor time consultation or for the weekly parent support meetings. We aim to help you implement your program at home using the Developmental Individual Differences Relationship-Based Model, or DIR, taking into account your child's developmental level, their individual differences, and using your relationship with them to help promote and support their development. Hello, this week we have a very exciting part two to our floor time in the pool last time. I have Stephanie Peters, an occupational therapist with ICDL Livingston, which is the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning, the home of DIR Floor Time. And Stephanie is here to take a deeper dive into the topic of floor time in the pool, which we covered last week with Serena Suman from Italy. And you both have similar occupations. She's a functional psychomotorist, which I guess is similar to an occupational therapist in North America. And Thank you for coming back, Stephanie. We had you a few weeks ago with the Realization Phase podcast, and um, it's nice to have you back. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So last week, Serena talked about how important looking at individual differences, which is the I in the Developmental Individual Differences Relationship-Based, or DIR model, and how important it is to look at the sensory processing profile of children that come in when she's about to do a floor time session. And we went through all of the different systems and how they interact, the visual with the vestibular movement sense, the um, body awareness, proprioception. So anyone who didn't hear that, you can go back to affectautism.com and check out floor time in the pool and review that. And we're going to take it a little bit further this week with Stephanie who has a background as an aquatic therapist, as well as her occupational therapy role. And she has done floor time in the pool as part of the intensives at ICDL Livingston. So what I loved about the podcast before, listening to all of the reasons why aquatic therapy is a great fit for children and all of the things that it works on, the flip side of it is, really understanding why it's so easy and take um spinning off the idea of individual differences the pool is not only a great place to support the individual differences that might be more challenging for a child but also a child's development uh, individual differences are why they love the pool so much there's there's a lot of something for everybody the hydrostatic pressure of the pool offers deep pressure for children that perhaps need a lot of deep pressure input to feel calm and regulated the buoyancy of the water also has an easier to support your body because it takes weight off of your body for children that perhaps are more low tone it makes it easier for them to keep an upright position um, for children that are really quick and fast paced it naturally slows you down a little bit because you can't go too fast in the water um, well you can but it takes a lot more energy it also is a natural way of connecting two people together because there's an inherent sense of hold on a second 
this might not be very safe and it really encourages children to naturally be aware of who the adult is that's working with them and it really naturally fosters that connection because on an intrinsic level which is all what floor time is connecting with that intrinsic motivation a child is more drawn to a person to help keep them safe and afloat so there are lots of reasons why a child would want to be in the water, which is a fantastic starting place for engagement. Yeah, and you know, it's funny you just described my son in a nutshell, <laughs> because he needs that proprioceptive input. He loves being in the water, whether it's a bathtub or a pool, and maybe towards the end, we'll talk about floor time in the bath as well. Mm -hmm. And he definitely needs to slow down. He's always so upregulated and moving so quickly and very hyperactive. It's a great way to slow him down. And um, it, it just has been such um, an area of joy for my son having a swimming pool. When we used to be in a condominium, we'd use the pool that was on the top floor. We moved to a house that had a pool, even though we didn't plan on having a pool, it happened to have a pool and it's just been one of the best times he has with his dad is splashing and swimming in the pool. Um, so I, I, I love how Serena set it up last week describing that impact of the individual differences and that you've summarized so nicely about how it makes it so conducive to doing floor time. And um, of course the motivation for so many kids because they absolutely love water and they love being in the pool. Um, and I, I know that you, we're talking about how we can, how it sets up for moving children up the developmental ladder because the pool, as Serena mentioned, and, and as you just alluded to, makes it so much easier for the child to be regulated and then attuned to the adult who's with them. So in floor time, the, the D of floor, DIR floor time speaks to the developmental capacities that we're always working on and keeping in mind when playing with a child. And the first two capacities are related to self-regulation and interest in the world and engagement. And the super fantastic, wonderful, fun thing about the pool that Daria, that you just mentioned, is that there's an inherent sense of joy. And I think that's, that's completely key because as adults, having to help our neurodiverse children navigate through a world, we're constantly trying to encourage our children to be, hey, this thing is fun. I know it seems a little weird right now, but I'm gonna make this as fun as possible so I can get your buy-in so that we can get those back and forths going because I know that I wanna help you engage more with the world and maybe we also have to work on strengthening or practicing holding a pencil and kind of incorporating all of those things. Um, as an OT, we do a lot of work in a sensory gym making obstacle courses and having lots of gross motor equipment available that can help with all that proprioceptive input and um, strength building and sequencing and coordination. But I think oftentimes a child walks in there and they're overwhelmed by all of the choices and not quite sure what to do with all of the choices. Personally, I relate to it by thinking, what if I walked into a laboratory? Maybe I know what a microscope does or I know what to do with paper, but how to put it all together to do something meaningful would be completely beyond my grasp. 
And I think that's often what children experience when they see a room full of toys that maybe they've encountered before. But the idea of, hold on, how do I put all of these things together to play and include another adult is a lot of work. And what the pool offers is an inherent sense of meaning of what this is for, why I want to do it, and how I'm going to do it. And we had a podcast about meaning making with your colleague Colette Ryan that I'll refer listeners to. Um, it wasn't it wasn't too long ago. And um, I guess can you talk a little bit about two things? Actually, three things. But where should we go first? Uh, while we're on the topic of meaning making, just kind of summarizing what it is and how that looks in the pool as you're doing floor time. Mm-hmm. So meaning making is is kind of like the analogy of walking into a laboratory of just having the idea of what things are, what it's supposed to do, how it's supposed to work, the meaning behind it, the why, the what, um, and the how. The, the classic example is if somebody were to give a child an apple that's never seen an apple before, I would know that an apple is something you can put in pies, it is something you could put peanut butter on, it's something you could eat whole or chopped up, it could be red, green, or yellow. I have a lot of meaning behind my understanding of what an apple is, but a child who's never seen an apple before is going to have a moment of, this is different. Maybe I know it's a circle, but I don't really know what, what the meaning is. I have no relationship with it. Do I like it? Do I not like it? Is this safe? Is this dangerous? So the idea of having a connection with something is, is really the essence of meaning making. Um, and a pool has an inherent connection with the child because it just feels so good. So what about the children? Because I know there's going to be listeners out there saying, oh yeah, every kid loves the pool, except my kid. My child is terrified of water and they go near it, they're scared. Mm -hmm. And do you think part of that is because they haven't developed um, meaning behind it yet? And maybe once you create that joyful experience, that will be the meaning that they carry forward. And, And secondly, what about the kids who maybe once loved swimming or loved bath time and all of a sudden they're terrified of it and the parents are like, what happened? <laughs> they loved it last year. Mm-hmm. That's how do, you, how do yeah. you tackle those issues? Those small issues, no. Those are really big ideas and concepts and they're so important for so many levels. I know that um, drowning is one of the leading causes of death for children with autism um, because they're so drawn to the water. So uh, initial hesitancy is not necessarily a bad thing um, to have towards the water. The idea is recognizing that a child is maybe fearful towards the water because they don't have that meaning to it yet. They don't understand why am I doing this and how is it going to feel and am I going to be safe. So I think it's really important to go very slow and stay following the child's lead and stay connected with how they're feeling about it while gently encouraging them to experience it. Um, It's a strength to be cautious, I think, and through the relationship and the connection, we can help teach a child 
how to experience something. And the, the easy thing about the pool is that it feels really good. And once you have that first experience, it's typically pretty, um, it can help quickly get the ball rolling to do more. So what about the kids who maybe had that experience and now they're terrified? Mm -hmm. Now, my guess would be that something happened that overwhelmed them. So maybe they came out of the pool and they were freezing mm -hmm. and they didn't like the feeling of being cold or maybe they didn't like the water dripping off their body the way it felt. Maybe their bathing suit was so tight against their skin it irritated them. It, it could be any number of things and now they have an aversion to it and it's so difficult for some of the younger kids to communicate that with us so they'll just scream and and not want to go near the water how can we start to to change that um, if we want to try and and encourage a positive experience especially with bath time mm -hmm. yeah it, it's 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 a matter of trying to be a parent detective and understanding where the disconnect happened and what perhaps what individual difference is hijacking a child's ability to engage with this new thing. Is it a tactile sensitivity? Is it a scary moment that is triggering a fight, flight, freeze response? Is it being separated from our parent? And we know that we're going into a really different environment that we don't feel safe and we really maybe incorporating the parent into the pool would be a good choice. Um, I know with the bathtub there are lots of acoustics that can be challenging for some children. Visually some children get very confused of how did this empty bathtub all of a sudden get filled with water. What magician is in the room and how did this happen from a visual spatial perspective that can be very disconcerting for many children. So, so breaking it down, understanding your child's profile and, and being able to put some pieces together because once we have that information, then we can work on those, those um, pieces. So let's now assume that we get to the pool, the parent may be there, as Sabina mentioned, the parent's not allowed during COVID, and I think that's, that's the case in a lot of situations now, and hopefully it's temporary, but the child is somehow now in the water, realized, oh, this feels pretty good, I like it. How do you do a floor time session and work up that ladder? Mm -hmm. So, because I'm an occupational therapist and a floor timer, I think of OT as the best type of OT is floor time informed OT. So in the back of my mind, I always have my, my fine motor or gross motor goals, but most importantly, we know that I want a child to be intrinsically motivated and engaged, to be able to do all the sneaky things that I wanna kind of course in getting the child to practice or engage in. Um, and the best way to do that is following a child's lead. I have lots of games that I know how to play in a pool, but it's a really interesting opportunity to, it's almost like getting an ear directly in tune to a child's nervous system to really see what they need and what they want to do and what ideas come from that. Um, depending on where your child is at, maybe the ideas are more abstract or they're more, um, two-way in nature, but sometimes it's 
a child might want to kick or a child might want to splash or a child might want to go underwater or a child might just want to monkey hold on to you because they're really not sure what to do and all of that gives us very very good information about what the, what the, where the child is what they're ready for and what they want and um what kind of things will you do so maybe think of a time that you were doing floor time and what does that look like so you gave a few examples like the child will want to kick and splash so maybe maybe a child who's at the first few capacities what would that session look like versus a child who is more abstract and has more two-way communication what what kind of session would that look like i think that uh, i think that all children and all humans are always working on the first couple of capacities and in allowing yourself to have the time to dedicate towards that no matter what your child is capable of is a beautiful gift to give um, and seeing what a child wants to initiate so i once had a session that maybe we did 25 minutes of sitting on the edge of the pool and kicking, which in my OT brain, I was thinking this is really good balance work and this is good strengthening. Um, but also it was a child's idea and he had an opportunity to be the director of this show that we were doing where I was the best supporting actor of how can I make this really fun, really silly and engaging and get those back and forth circles um, and that engagement connect connection. So, the the session was sitting on the edge of the pool ready set go huge splashes and then stopping making that connection that um social referencing of holy cow that was super fun should we do it again should we do more okay and then going back and forth over and over and over again with smiles and laughter and a lot of exhaustion on my end <laughs> but completely worth it uh, that's so funny that you said that because one of the things that my husband does with my son in the pool is he just like will splash. He'll swim like on his back and go back while facing my son and just kick super, like super so much that the splashing is everywhere. And my son's like literally going like this in the water. <laughs> I, actually, I think he holds onto the side of the pool and just mm -hmm. kicks and kicks and kicks. Mm -hmm. But my son loves it. And so then he'll stop and he'll wait. And then I guess the idea <clears throat> from <coughs> what you're saying, excuse me, is that you want to then see the child initiate an idea. So um, see if they imitate, first of all, mm -hmm. and, and maybe the child initiated the kicking and then my husband just kicked, you know, harder, faster, splashy. Mm -hmm. And then <clears throat> working on that sensory modulation piece that Dr. Greenspan talked about was so important in floor time where slow it down mm -hmm. and then speed it up again and things mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. so i i know that um that's a great example for parents to do with their kids in the pool mm -hmm. and then what happens if <clears throat> you're kicking too slow oh no this isn't working it's too slow i have to go faster okay faster okay and all of a sudden we've built together the exact thing that we wanted, which is the, the shared engagement and problem solving piece with the, the added benefit of being able to visually understand what we want something to look like and to collaborate to get it 
to be exactly what we want it to look and feel like. So um, what about the child who has more circles of communication, that back and forth, gestural and verbal communication, and maybe they're starting to get into the abstract, they can do imaginary play on some level. How do you do a floor time session with them and what kinds of things come up? I tend to use a little bit, a few more props and toys with those children. And I, I don't know why, but I always go towards um, superpowers. That tends to get me pretty good mileage, but um, there are lots of fun toys that you can space around the pool's perimeter, including big chalk, if that's a, an appropriate thing for your pool. You can practice writing on the side of the pool and splashing it to get rid of it, to write secret messages, to give clues, to uncover how many times we're gonna do something to defeat maybe a bad guy. There are lots of floatable and sinkable super or caricatures that can be hidden around the pool or even at the bottom of the pool. And we have to go rescue somebody or maybe we have to go around to try to find all of the friends that can help save the day. There are also these really great toys that I think were originally designed to stick to the bottom of a bathtub so that you don't slip, but they can stick to the side of the tile of some pools. And I hide those around and we swim to go find them. And each one is a different superpower. And we have to figure out which superpower it is and how we're going to use it. So lots of opportunity to be extremely creative and playful, um, especially for those children that, that enjoy doing something um, with the pool in a different way. So it really, really sounds to me, and that this is like an obvious point, but I just really want to stress it for the listeners. It's just floor time. <laughs> it's just floor time. There's an infinite number of possibilities of things to do. It's just being creative. And as you said, following the child's lead, which is following their emotional intentions. Like, what is it that they're looking at? Oh, they seem to have their eye on that squirt thing that looks like a pool noodle but you pull the stick out and you squirt each other okay let's they looked at that that would be your cue to then grab that and see what it does wonder what this does and then see if they initiate you to push it and then you push it water squirts out and you have <gasps> lots of affect to make them giggle or laugh and then they want to turn oh you want to turn too and and just making those back and forth fun, joyful experiences together. And then they remember that and that's their meaning making that you were talking about that then brings them back next session. So excited to do it all again. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and it could look any, any number of ways. You can add a lot of language to it if that's appropriate, but there's so much going on from a sensory and rhetoric level. You don't really have to use any language. Perhaps it's a matter of lots of affect on your face and both of you with maybe goggles on, if that's available, slowly going underwater and looking at each other underwater and then shooting up to the top together at the same time or, or slowly going underwater and then swimming to the other side. And that can be magical as well and a, and a wonderful opportunity for connection on top of all of those sensory benefits, the metoric benefits, the coordination opportunities that just to add 
another thousandth reason why it's a wonderful thing to do. And it really, it really must be a, an occupational therapist's dream because <laughs> occupational therapists that I've had podcasts with or connected with or who have coached me in my training have always said, get the movement in there, like mm -hmm. movement with our kids. And so many of our kids need that movement to mm -hmm. stay and attend and, and regulate. And the pool just provides so much opportunity for that. And um, one thing that you said really made me think of a point to stress too, is you said we can go underwater with goggles, swim across the pool together and get to the end. And what I wanna highlight is the difference of just watching your son from the side of the pool or daughter swimming by themselves and just enjoying the experience on their own versus doing it together with somebody. And even though you might not be speaking back and forth, you have the nonverbal communication. So knowing that you're together, checking in with each other as you're swimming across the pool, sensing that the person is beside you, getting to the end, checking in with them, and all of that nonverbal affective signaling that we've talked about before on, on the podcast. And, and just that's the piece that wires the social part of the brain that we're working on in floor time, moving the children up that developmental ladder. Mm -hmm. Up the ladder to a place where they can have ideas of where they want to go. And you can express, I want to go there with you and I'm going to enjoy every second of it because that's where the relationship the heart of our relationship is, I think. And I'm going to support you mm -hmm. in your efforts and to do so. Yeah, I'm going to support you. And, and the was, I had a conversation recently. I think it was about, you were talking about supporting agency. And there's no better feeling than being able to control your life and to help a child be more independent in swimming and independent and in moving through the water to get to where they wanna go with you right beside them is another gift to give a child where they can then have opportunities to make their own choices and to come up with their own ideas and to feel really proud of themselves for navigating a trickier environment. Yeah, and um, especially children that have motor planning Mm -hmm. um, challenges. I know my son, when he was younger, had, he's, he's slowly moving up that developmental ladder and his motor planning has always been an issue where he had so many ideas inside, but he just doesn't know how to express it or get it out. Mm -hmm. And you could tell maybe he really wants to build the structure, but he, he doesn't know how to do it. And, and when he became more verbal, he would just command other people to do it for him. And we really want to slow them down and help them figure out how to do that. And how does an OT do that kind of thing in the pool? Like, do you notice that maybe children have an idea and you can tell they're struggling? And how do you facilitate that? I think one of the challenges happens with, because being in the pool is so challenging of knowing where your body is, because you have that buoyancy property, it's really easy to lose, not lose your balance, but to fall over and not be able to right yourself right away. And then if you're underwater, we've all experienced end up ending up upside down or sideways and not knowing which way is up. So that's very, that's a, a great 
opportunity to help teach our children to be strong and coordinated, but there are lots of things we can, lots of concrete tools we can give them so that they can be more successful, whether it's flippers or um, a pool noodle under their arms. And then once they can recognize that, then they can be part of initiating getting those tools, initiating putting on the flippers, which generalizes so nicely to putting on shoes. Um, lots of just engaging with the different textures of these materials and really understanding how their body interacts with it and then learning more about their body as well. I don't know if that answers your question necessarily. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I mean, I think it's just, going back to the creativity of floor time where if if a child is maybe having trouble with something and you decide to give them a floaty and then they figure out oh i can hold this pool noodle and it helps me float and then maybe they have an idea of somewhere they want to go and you're sort of assisting that process without doing it for them mm -hmm. and even incorporating um concepts of how what you can do to make sure you stay safe which i think is a really important thing to teach children anyways but let's say a child is on a pool noodle which happen this happens almost every time where they just let go of the pool noodle because they get this feeling of i got this i'm safe but not necessarily realizing that part of the safety is because they have this thing to hold on to so then as the adult, you have the opportunity to help them experience that feeling of, oh dear, that wasn't the right thing to do, but oh, I got you, you need to take the side, or you need to hold on to the pool noodle and keep kicking and helping a child to put all those pieces together so that they can even be more in control of their own well-being and safety. Uh, that just reminded me of something that I, I heard Jake Greenspan from the Floor Time Center talk about once, which around intrinsic motivation, um, where, you know, someone might want to teach a child to climb up the ladder and they'll put their foot on and they'll put the other foot up and the child, you know, doesn't seem interested. But getting that intrinsic motivation, here's an object that the child really wants and putting it up high. And all of a sudden, there goes the child climbing up the ladder and the difference between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And so um, floor time in the pool is not swimming lessons because we are using what the child wants to do to help show them um, how it's done and that they can figure it out. And, and Dr. Tippy just uh, put out his 11th four on the floor YouTube video about this whole process. Like we want our children to think and we want them to know that there's something in your head Mm -hmm. and you can figure it out so maybe the the object is over there on the other side of you know those the dividers in the pool mm -hmm. that, for lanes like the floating thing maybe it's on the other side of that the child wants it so badly and they just want you to get it for them and pass it to them but you giving them the pool noodle now you can swim over and get it yourself kind of thing without telling them that mm -hmm. um maybe uh, how would you do that would you stand more near the object and be like <gasps> you know sort of hold your arms out and they're motivated to swim to you so they just sometimes they won't know they can do it until they've done it. So they'll start swimming and they'll be like, Ooh, I just mm -hmm. swam. <laughs> yeah. The, the nice thing about the pool is that it makes a child's body lighter, which makes it easier to do some of those handling techniques where you can have your hands on them and you're not breaking your back to try to get their body to, to go where you want to go. So there are ways to give a child that little nudge to get them going. 
Um, I like activities where we can hold onto the edge of the pool, and this might be just my OT training making me like this, but to work on coordination and hand strength to have maybe a bunch of trains or stacking cups around the pool that a child is already interested in. And we have to navigate the edge and the perimeter of the pool by doing a little choo-choo train around to finding the next one. And then we have to stop and look around to find where the next color is. So um, you can encourage a child by showing them how it works. You can encourage a child by um, helping them if the motoric piece is hard for them to kind of use your hands and your body to get them going. And then there's, if we're practicing swimming, I'll swim ahead of them or I'll throw a ball. I lost the ball. Oh no. And then we have to go on a rescue mission together. So there are lots of different ways we can entice, but support them so that they can be successful. And I think that's really important because if, without the pool, the pool noodle underneath their arms, if they, a child were to go and try to swim and they weren't successful, that might be, uh, the meaning of that experience might be, this isn't a good idea, maybe I should not do this. So part of our job is to do the just right challenge piece so they can be successful, by, but working a little bit still. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder how much of your aquatic therapy training influenced how you did floor time in the pool or what did you take and learn from that experience as an aquatic therapist? So I was trained by Angelfish, which is a company in Connecticut and Massachusetts. And um, they're fantastic. I highly encourage everybody to look into them. So the, the training that I received, I was able to learn a lot about handling and all of the benefits of the water. And as an OT, my goals in the water will include bilateral coordination, um, hopefully functionally to be able to use two hands and two feet to swim the length of the pool ultimately, um, but also to have the strength to keep an upright body, to have the strength to keep your balance in the pool, to have the fine motor strength to put on flippers or to maybe be able to um, put on goggles, to play with all of the toys, to be able to swim on your back without being really scared, to coordinate movements on your side, to go underwater, lots of coming up with ideas, um, the nuts and bolts of all of the things that we want our children to be able to do, we can work on those foundational pieces in the pool um, as an OT. And then as a floor timer, once we have that back and forth engagement, I can add little challenges here and there to work on my OT goals, whether it's using a different type of toy that's actually, that's actually working on our um, utensil grasp to be able to use a spoon. So there are a lot, there's lots of overlap that, um, that again, makes the pool so wonderful to be in. So I think we've covered floor time <laughs> ideas in the pool. We've covered mm -hmm. a bit of sensory modulation. Mm -hmm. We've covered that OT, aquatic therapy piece versus floor time piece, swimming lessons versus play and enjoyment to promote back and forth interactions and engagement and um, socially problem solving. We got into some imaginary play. 
The only other thing kind of relates to the idea of meaning making. Mm -hmm. And if your child is interested in the pool, that's your gateway. That's your child holding up a big sign saying, this is how, this is what we need to do. And this is how you can help enter my world so that we can have a shared experience. But if your child is not interested in the pool, still have that interest in when your child is kind of holding up the sign that says this way, let's go do this. And um, there are lots of other activities that you can get very similar sensory benefits and strengthening benefits. I, I also really love rock climbing. You can put a harness on a child and, and have them be attached to very secure things. So it's not as it's not dangerous at all. But if a child likes to climb and likes to go up, there are ways to help them do that and have a meaningful activity to do that with that you can also do with them. So staying curious and knowing that the pool isn't your only option, if that's not a choice for you, that we can recreate a lot of these experiences in the world in general. I just wanted to take the last few minutes to highlight the intensives that ICDL Livingston offers. ICDL Livingston is in Livingston, New Jersey. So can you describe what an intensive is like? The intensives are phenomenal. They can be from one to four weeks and it's an intensive group of therapy where you as the parent or the adult and caregiver as well as your child will be at the center for four to five hours every single day receiving OT, hopefully aquatic therapy, counseling, speech therapy, play therapy. Um, we could do therapy while eating during meal times. The, the idea is that there's an intense period of time over time where we help to connect all of the dots for you and your child, helping to integrate how to really floor time all the time. What does that actually mean and what does that look like? I think that um, floor time is sometimes difficult to come by a provider. And when you do come by a provider, you have maybe an hour of their time, and then you have to go home and figure out how to recreate all of this magic, usually without the benefit of a sensory gym that most people have access to in a clinic. And the intensives help to bridge that gap of, I've seen someone floor time with my child, I like what I see, it feels good. Connecting that with, now I know how to do that. I know how to do that in all different type of situations. I know how to floor time while getting dressed. I know how to floor time while putting on my shoes. I know how to floor time as a family. The opportunity to, to do that, learn about yourself and your child with a, a group of, of beautifully experienced and knowledgeable professionals is, is just, it's so cool. Floor time, the DIR model in general, developmental individual differences relationship-based model is a multidisciplinary approach. So the intensives really give a family access to all of the different services. And, and I believe you guys have access to speech language pathology as well. If you need a, a psychologist, a licensed professional counselor, occupational therapist, play therapist, and all floor timers and really, uh, you know, just getting a family really invested in what this is all about and giving them the chance to experience it so that they, like you said, feeling empowered when they get back home, how to keep it going. During COVID, 
I know that you guys have the center, like the family gets the whole center to themselves during their intensive. So they don't have to worry about other families and therapists will be wearing masks. If you need lodging, there's a deal with the local hotel very close by. And if anybody wants more information, icdl.com slash Livingston. And while you mentioned floor time anywhere all the time, I'll take the second to plug ICDL's upcoming international conference, which is all online this year. It's coming up in November. It's at the ICDL website as well. And there'll be a number of speakers uh, throughout the month of November from DIR floor time experts and training leaders. And I'll be doing a presentation twice during the month on the, the things that I've learned as a floor time parent, the top, top things that were light bulb moments for me that hopefully can help other parents. So I'll encourage parents, practitioners, anybody who's interested in floor time to look at icdl.com for that 2020 conference. So thank you so much, Stephanie, for spending time with us today and, and letting us know how you do floor time in the pool and giving us some tips on bath time and how we can get that engagement with our children. And I really appreciate it. And hopefully we'll see, we'll talk to you again sometime soon. Lovely. Thank you so much. And listeners, be sure to look at the write-up with links to everything we discussed at affectautism.com. Floor time in the pool, a deeper dive. <laughs> Until next time, here's to affecting autism through play. <laughs>